And so I'd gotten good at sharing the addiction, but I was really bad at sharing when I was truly tested in my struggle to be a great leader. And so in 2014, and quicker's blowing up, and I got blindsided by my two most important relationships in my life. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy's online course, How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. I wrote this course for those who want to go from feeling frustrated, intimidated, or overwhelmed by the stock market to becoming confident and in control of their financial future. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount now. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, Michael Brody Wade. Michael, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock, dude. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to the audience. At the age of 23, Michael was a full-blown drug addict. Every day, he drank a fifth of vodka and a 12-pack of beer. He smoked two packs of cigarettes and more weed than any human should. And he did whatever other drugs he could get his hands on. He had been kicked out of college, fired from his job, and evicted from his apartment. He had no money and no home. was throwing up blood and believed he would be dead before his 30th birthday. Then, on September 1st, 2002, after running out of options and fearing death, he checked into rehab, entered recovery, and has been transforming himself every day since. Michael's TEDx Nashville YouTube video, Great Leaders Do What Drug Addicts Do, is the number one talk in the history of the TEDx Nashville program. It has been seen by 1 million plus people in 25 countries and provides insight into his 17 year journey from addiction and near homelessness to successful entrepreneurship. This talk sparked the mask free movement and brought awareness to Michael's mask free program built on three principles inspired by his recovery, showing leaders how to achieve balance, reclaim energy and thrive in work and life. Michael's an acclaimed speaker, Inc 500 entrepreneur, award-winning three-time CEO, a leadership coach, and author of Great Leaders Live Like Drug Addicts. How to lead like your life depends on it. His accomplishments include being named a most admired CEO, named to the top 40, under 40, and being recognized by the Nashville Chamber of Commerce as Healthcare Entrepreneur of the Year. Michael, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Do I really need to? I feel like you just talked about me for like 10 minutes. So uh, <laughs> I'd say the two, two most important things are I'm a recovering drug addict. I've got 18 years clean and, and that's, that's what drives everything that I do. And as a Inc. 500 founder and speaker and author, my mission is to teach people the principles addicts use to recover so that they can thrive and work in life. Mm, what a great lesson for the listeners out there, how to take your deepest despair most painful moment and recovery from it and then share that with the world to help others. So I think that's, that's an inspiration right there in and of itself. But yeah, I you know what to, yep. to set the table. Yep. The question I always ask is what if the worst thing about you could be the best thing about you? And I really feel like that's my message. That's what I'm bringing to the world. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that here. Mm. It's a great thing to think about for the listeners, you know, take a moment. Think about what is the worst thing about you. 
think about it and then listen up to the rest of this podcast as we start to understand how to reshape the way you think about it. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, so as a recovering drug addict, I'm no stranger to risk. I took a lot of risks to stay high. It was a risk to get clean. And I worked my way up the Fortune 50 ladder at a company called Dell for eight years. Got eight promotions in eight years. I got to stay clean. I figured out how to do this thing called life. Uh, I never thought I'd live past 30. I got to 30 years old and I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so at the height of the recession in the US, I decided to max out my credit card, drain my 401k and blow my savings on starting a company called Inquicker. And our mission was to let patients schedule appointments online. At the time in the States, 99% of healthcare appointments were made over the phone. And everybody was like, how do we increase access to healthcare? I'm like, well, dude, if I can schedule an appointment for my cat, my car, and my hair online 24 seven, why the heck can't I do that to take care of my body? So bootstrapped the company at a partner parallel to the, I started that company with my partner a year after I got married and the Success that we had being bootstrapped as a healthcare company was phenomenal. We ended up being an Inc. 500 company. We grew 20,000% in six years. And so the investment that I made during that time was I invested in hiding my greatest weaknesses. I'd gotten really good at telling people that I was a recovering drug addict. But when I started being recognized as a successful CEO, as a business leader that theoretically accomplished A, B, and C, being the art, you know, in the news, and we'd have all these accomplishments and we get these big marquee clients. The temptation to hide my weaknesses grew and grew and grew. And so, like, you know, I know we're in the middle of pandemic, so we're actually talking about like physical masks, but like when I was in rehab back 18 years ago, they laid down two paper masks and they said, we want you to use images and words for magazine articles to describe the person in one mask that you show to the world. And we want you to use these resources to create a mask that represents who you really think you are. And so of course the mask I showed the world, I'm a drug addict that's homeless, and, but I, like, I, I do Ferraris and George Clooney and all this kind of stuff. And then the one around how I feel about myself, starkly different. And so I think not everybody can relate to the worst thing about them being uh, about them being a drug addict, but everybody can relate to having this thing that they think is the worst thing about them that they don't want to share. And so I'd gotten good at sharing the addiction, but I was really bad at sharing when I was truly tested in my struggle to be a great leader. And so in 2014, Inquicker was, or 2013 actually is when I started, Inquicker's blowing up. And I got blindsided by my two most important relationships in my life. My business partner decided that he wanted to take my equity away and try to get me unseated as CEO of our company. And at the same time, my wife, I kept catching in lie after lie and she wanted to file for divorce. And the problem is is that while I've gotten really good at admitting that I was a drug addict, I was really bad at admitting how much I was failing in trying to navigate both of these issues. 
And the worst thing was they were playing off of each other. So she wanted a piece of the company and he was using the fact that I was going through a divorce, threatening to sell if I didn't agree to give up my equity because he knew that I believed we would have long-term value in the company. And so for a period of time at the company, I wasn't around. All of a sudden, this vivacious leader that really cared about his people was there and all this stuff. Like, dude, I was gone because I didn't know how to face my team. And when I did show up, I'd be in these meetings. I would put this mask on pretending that everything's okay because that's what the CEO of an Inc. 500 company does. Meanwhile, at home, if you were to watch my wife and I, we're two opposite ends of the house. It's we're living completely separate lives. I'm in tremendous pain. And I feel like, man, I got myself into this mess and I'm the only one that can get myself out. And so my greatest investment at that time was to do something that is really what kept me high. And that was hide my weaknesses. And so I did. And I ended up in a situation where one cold day in November of 2013, I go to my wife's lawyer's office to sign a marital dissolution agreement that we had agreed on. She kept trying to take a large part of my equity in the company. And I had successfully been able to convince her to let me buy her out so I could keep the equity in the company. Meanwhile, I'm negotiating with my partner on him trying to take the equity that my wife is fighting for. I go sign this marital dissolution agreement and I had an anti-dilution clause in my contract. And so I called my partner's bluff. And so my appointment after I signed that marital dissolution agreement was to go across the street to meet with a bunch of investment bankers to put the company up for sale. And I didn't know if we actually meant it. Like going there, I knew we meant the divorce. I didn't know if we meant that we were really going to sell the company. I thought I was just calling his bluff. And I hadn't asked for help and I hadn't done anything that I learned in recovery. And we show up in the investment bankers and he just starts signing the paperwork. And I'm like, oh my God, we're selling the company. And then I asked the investment banker what he thought the company was worth. The number that he gave me was 600% higher than the value we had used in the marital dissolution agreement that I had signed two hours prior to that meeting. And so while I should be excited that my company's worth six times more, I wasn't in it for the money. I wanted to keep it forever. And, I, and that's why he was threatening to sell it. And also without knowing, I just screwed my ex-wife. And so I sat there and I'm like, what do I do? And it felt very familiar to when I hit my bottom as a drug addict like just completely powerless and not knowing what to do. And my weakness just completely holding me back in life. And so I'm a member of the 12 step program. And so for the wife stuff, I went to my sponsor and to my friend and said, what do I do? And I'm also a member of EO, a worldwide organization for entrepreneurs. And I went to my EO forum. I said, what do I do? And it was so painful because I had to admit that I sucked and I had to admit that I had no clue. And I had gotten so accustomed to being this guy that knew what he was doing and people trusted and respected. And here I was, a fraud, someone not worthy of their respect. And, you know, I mean, I, I just think that all of us walk around with these things that we're so scared to share. But I'll tell you the power of sharing that stuff, sharing your weaknesses, taking the mask off, 
This is what I teach people to do now professionally, how they take the mask off at work and at home. It was so freeing and so scary, but just as a business person, mathematically, it exponentially increased my opportunities for resolving these situations. And I was a complete idiot for not doing it. And because I waited like 18 months to do it, I ended up having to sell the company. I ended up going through a divorce. Now, the one thing I did was because I realized I've been investing the mass, I chose to take them off. So when I found out that the company was worth 600%, I did the thing that everybody said I shouldn't do. And I went to my ex-wife and I said, you probably want to renegotiate this MDA. And that decision cost me a million dollars. And it's the best million that I ever spent. As a drug addict, it's hard for me even to relate to having a million dollars. Like I was out on the street, I didn't have anything. But what I got was priceless. And now I, that story's in my book. It's the last chapter in my book and there's a lot more in it. But I use that story to illustrate along with other stories, the power of leading yourself and taking your mask off and sharing your weaknesses. And so when I shared my weaknesses to my recovery friends, they helped me use the 12-step principles to navigate my way through what I needed to do with my wife. And what I learned was I needed to do the next right thing, no matter the consequences. I needed to surrender the outcome. And then when I talked to my EO Forum friends, they actually gave me some advice on how to manage the situation with my partner so that we could use the process of selling the company to help him understand what a big mistake he had made. And so they gave me specific tactics that I used. And then he ended up apologizing with, to me at the end and not taking my equity. But investing in that mask meant that I divorced the two things that mattered most to me in 2014. And I had to start with a completely blank slate. Now, what I'll say is it ended up being, you know, thing that most, I think, entrepreneurs do and that most recovering addicts do is we turn crap into fertilizer. And I had a lot of crap. And so I got a lot of fertilizer on the back end of that deal. <laughs> but... Investing in the mask is something I've, I've assessed 2000 leaders, 90% of leaders are hiding themselves behind a mask and it's hurting companies. It's hurting teams. It's, it's hurting people. And I still wear them sometimes to this day, man, but hiding that weakness really, really killed me. And it made me lose the two things that I wanted to keep. Well, that's what this show is all about too, because we break through that mask and we just talk about our worst investment and then what we learn from it. So let's go through what, how would you summarize what you learned from that experience. So I'll give you some context to this. When people talk about drug addicts, it's usually a tremendous stigma and they're like the lowest of the low. And then when they talk about a recovering addict that is successful, they say, wow, look at that person is successful in spite of being a drug addict. It's really great that you overcame that obstacle. And now you're a regular human like the rest of us. Well, my message to anyone that has an addict in their life or is an addict is your addiction is your effing superpower because it makes you learn three principles that give you a leadership superpower. And that is what I used in this story to be able to navigate through it. And that's what I've been using to build my companies and do everything since. And so it's three principles. The first one is practice rigorous authenticity. Now, authenticity is a buzzy freaking word. Everybody has checked the box authenticity or curated authenticity. Everybody's going to talk about that time they kept it real in front of grandma. I'm talking about you told your wife, ex or wife or soon to be ex-wife, I owe you a million dollars that you could have not given her. Or I have another story where I told a customer about a problem where it would have ruined the company and we still got through it. I'm talking about rigorous authenticity, no matter the consequences. And when you are a drug addict fighting for your life and you are going to die, you learn what rigorous means. It means all the time. 
not just when it's convenient. So the first principle is practice rigorous authenticity. The second one is surrender the outcome. And this is something that people intellectually understand, but leaders are not trained to practice. They literally have no capacity to do this because we are responsible for outcomes. We're trying to drive outcomes. You know, who's accountable here? It's me, I'm, I'm accountable for this. But how many times have we seen people wasting so much energy on things that they can't control at the expense of the things that they can? Well, the first thing I learned as a drug addict was you have to surrender the fact that you're a drug addict. And the second thing you gotta do is you gotta surrender the fact that you gotta work a 12-step program or something else the rest of your life. But then as I start going through life and I start facing consequences or experiences with my relationships and business and, and in person and, and life circumstances, instead of going to people that are like, okay, here's how you manage things to get what you want. I'm going to 12-step people to say, this is how you surrender that. And it makes you feel so powerless, but it is so freeing because what it does, is it reclaims 50% of your energy. Because like, just practically speaking, we've all seen a salesperson that complains about their quota, territory, or product. And we've seen the salesperson that makes calls anyway. And the second one surrendered the outcome and they were able to actually manifest a better outcome. And so the second principle is surrender the outcome. When you practice rigorous authenticity and surrender the outcome, you're able to do this thing, which is a third principle called uncomfortable work. Now, most leaders think that they understand what uncomfortable work is and they don't. Uncomfortable work is they think, oh, I know how to do that. No, you're talking about hard work or smart work, physical or intellectual. Uncomfortable work is emotional. It's literally decisions and actions that you avoid taking because of a sensation in your body. We've all seen someone spending eight hours doing hard or smart work, avoiding 10 minutes of uncomfortable work. Anyone that's ever not successfully performance managed an employee can relate to that. Anyone that has not told a significant other a serious problem in their relationship can relate to that. Anyone that hasn't negotiated a specific clause in a contract because they're scared they're going to lose a customer can relate to that. So we don't know how to do uncomfortable work. And so that's why we say we want authentic leaders, but we don't know any politicians to answer a question with, I don't know. It's because authenticity is a fallacy. It is a dream. It is inspiration. But the actual implementation on how you become a rigorously authentic leader means you learn how to be true. You surrender everything in front of you and you go do uncomfortable work. And the only people that are equipped with a system to do that are addicts all around the world, right? Right now working a 12-step program because when you have to find out how to stop injecting heroin every day or smoking crack or weed or drinking every day you have to learn how to do this like your life depends on it and that's why the people that i want to work with are recovering addicts mm, exciting so based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate so in my coaching program, we have this thing called the boulder exercise. And so when we start our group coaching sessions, I used to always walk around like going to like meetings with like business people or even like on dates or, or friends. And I would just want like to gut check right away. Do you have the capacity to get down and dirty and be real? Like, are you willing to be real and tell me who you truly are? Not the things that sound like you're telling me the weaknesses. Are you willing to tell me who you truly are? Cause a drug addict, I'm practiced in doing that. Right. Mm. And so I wish that people just had a stamp on their forehead that said, I'm, I'm authentic. I'm truly authentic. And so for me in this program, instead of doing like, what's your job title and where are you from? We do this thing called the Boulder exercise where I ask them a series of questions about the hardest things. Like, are you walking on eggshells with your partner? 
Do you feel like you are in the wrong job? Are you worried about job security? Are you worried about finances? Are you worried about body image? Are you worried about mental health? I ask them, they all close their eyes and they hold up a finger every time that they say yes. And so people end up having an entire hand held up. And then they open their eyes and I say, these are boulders that we're all carrying and we think we shouldn't be carrying boulders. So we're not talking about them. And they really affect performance. And everybody that you work with that works for you or that you work for is carrying a boulder too. And so in a world that's disconnected, if you can be really good at identifying these boulders. And so for me in the story that I told you, it was hiding this weakness. Like I'm not a successful CEO in my personal life and professional life. That was a boulder that got heavier and heavier and heavier the longer it went on and the more I didn't share it and the more I paid the price of carrying it. But the second I shared it with my 12 step people, the second I shared it with my EO people, the weight of that boulder dissipated. I was pointed to solutions allowed me to take it off my back. And the truth is we have to destroy this notion that acknowledging our boulders and especially the scariest ones, we have to destroy this notion that it makes us weak. It allows us to connect with other humans in a service economy where everybody's using social media and they're not truly connected. That's a competitive advantage. So my lesson to you, if you're sitting there and you're like, I really wish I could share the thing that is hurting me the most, that is holding me back the most, but I'm scared it'll make me less successful. I'm actually offering you a cake and eat it too situation. You can actually get the relief of sharing it with the people you're scared to share it with. And there's a nine out of 10 chance because 90% of people are wearing masks too that they're going to say, holy crap, that person just inspired me. And they're going to feel connected to you because they're going to see your weakness. Yeah, but they're going to see the strength that it took to share that. And then they're going to help you solve the problem. And I've experienced this because I don't have a college degree. I don't have anything that makes me successful. And you have all these people over almost 2 million views of my TED talk alone that are reading my book and doing all this stuff, not because of all my accomplishments. I, I can bump into a million entrepreneurs that have an Inc. 500 trophy somewhere. It's because I have the capacity to lead myself by owning my weaknesses and sharing them. And that inspires them not as leaders, but as humans. And that gives me the ability to connect with them in a way that's not possible. So if you're suffering right now, the worst thing about you can be the best thing about you. Beautiful. Well, let me summarize a few things. I'm not passionate about this, by the way, at all. Yes, I didn't. I noticed that. Thank you for bringing the energy. (laughs) I'll say a few things. First of all, I mean, our story, you know, we have some things in common. The first paragraph of your bio reads quite similar to my life. And 38 years ago in 1982, I entered rehab. So I'm- Oh, I'm, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm also in a 12-step program, probably the same one. And my brother. Yeah, and I've had 38 years of uninterrupted sobriety. And I think what's interesting about it, it's I, I give a lecture, I, I do a, a lecture in finance about ethics, but I give a little bonus. I, I say, I'm going to teach you how to get out of trouble. And, you know, what I say is, and it comes a lot from the 12-step programs, but, you know, I say, you know, first thing you have to do is admit that you've made a mistake or actually even before that, what I say is you've got to be aware, aware of the surroundings yep. and aware of what people are doing, particularly in, in, in any space, you know, be aware of what's going on. Then look at it, then you admit to yourself and maybe to one other person, and you admit that this is what I did wrong. And then the next thing you would do is you apologize. And as I learned many years ago, apologies are very simple and apologies are ultimately for you, not for the person you're apologizing to. And it's just, I was wrong, I am sorry. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Two of the hardest things to say in the world. (laughs) Definitely. 
And then the last A, it's four A's, right? So we're aware, we admit, we apologize. And the fourth one, which also comes from what I've learned from 12-step program is amend. And that is, you know, that's a hard one because I think a lot of people feel like I've made my, I've said my apology. What more do they want? Well, actually, if you're apologizing, it means that you damaged someone, something. And some people say to me, well, I caused a million dollars of damage. What am I supposed to do? Pay it back? I don't have that money. I said, you know, you need to go with sincerity and say, I'm going to make amends for this. And I don't have a million dollars, but I can make a payment of $500 a month. And I'll do that as long as I you know, can, if I can increase it. And, and someday I'm going to be able to pay this off. And I think the thing that it brings is liberation. Yep. You know, in 12-step programs, it teaches us that we will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. In other words, we no longer live with regret. We can actually clean up every mess that we make by applying some of these principles, the ones that you've talked about, authenticity, surrender, and uncomfortable work, and what I've just discussed. So oftentimes, as a recovering addict and alcoholic myself, I'm surrounded by people that also you know, work the 12-step programs. And basically, we oftentimes look at ourselves and think, wow, how lucky are we? Because we have a blueprint. We have yes. these 12 steps. And, yes. and that, that helps me. And a lot of times during the COVID crisis, and of course, you don't have to be an addict. You don't have to be, you don't have to go down as low as many obstinate addicts like myself, as an example. But there are many great principles. And, you know, one of them is surrender, let go. And when the COVID crisis happened, you know, so many pressures are on for business people like myself and others, and everybody's yep. under pressure that I just, it brought me to my knees and I, I haven't been on my knees to pray in a long time. And I just realized, you know, just let it go, surrender, it's going to be okay. And those things help me get through what has been obviously very difficult. And I know the reality is there's a lot of people listening that are going through the pain and they don't necessarily have a way out. And so I think today, what you brought to the show gives people a roadmap and that is be authentic and don't be afraid to be authentic because the reality is like Michael's explained, everybody else has a max too. So when you let yours down, you just may find out that you just made a friend for life. The second one is surrender the outcome. You know, you decided to give your ex-wife a million dollars because you felt like it was the right thing to do. And there's many different outcomes that could have come from that, but just let it go and do the next right thing. And finally, in the 12 step programs, there's something called the 12 promises. And it starts off with, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. But I love this word painstaking. What does it mean? Take pain. Yep. If we are not willing to do the uncomfortable work and take the pain that's necessary to do that uncomfortable work, then we're never gonna get a full life, a full happiness, full connection with people. So. I think those are some of the things I'd take away from your story. Anything that you would add to that? No, dude, I think you did. I think you did great. I, <laughs> I, but I love, I love what you said about when we sit down and we look at our friends in recovery, we, we think we're lucky. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like when I tell people, I think, I thank God for my addiction. They're like, Oh, you mean your recovery? I'm like, no, my addiction. They're like, what? And I'm like, dude, my addiction gives me two things you don't get 
Number one, it means I walk around with a gun pointed at my head the rest of my life that makes me prioritize these principles that actually make my life better. So I have an incentive you don't have. And number two, because it's such addiction is such a big problem, there's millions of people like me out there. And we're all convening the ones that those of us in recovery in these meetings where it's no cost to extend other than an hour of your time and a really crappy cup of coffee. And you get to literally be in like what I would call like Navy SEAL training for authenticity, surrender and uncomfortable work. And so you're literally getting trained up to do the thing that makes life better, whether you're a leader or in your personal life. And so most leaders don't have the incentive and they don't know where to go to learn this stuff. And so my addiction gives me a membership and an excuse to use it in a group of people that are learning how to do what I think are the next generation of leadership skills. And so mm. I think, you know, we sit there and we say, people think that we say, man, I can't believe we survived. And we're like, we can't believe how bad we're, how much we're thriving because of recovery. But most yep. people don't understand that. So I just, I wanted to double down on that because I love that. So yeah, for the listeners out there, first of all, if you have a problem with alcohol or drugs or anything like that, there's, there's answers out there. So go into the internet type 12 step programs. In addition to that, if you're in the middle of it, there are meetings in almost every city all around the world. When I came to Thailand, to Bangkok 29 years ago, there was one meeting and it happened every night at the same place. And now there's many, many more. So first of all, if you're suffering right now, there are ways that you can reach out in your own community right there to find a meeting. Number two, if you're not struggling with addiction, but you think, hey, what is this roadmap that they're talking about? Just go to the internet and type in 12-step program. And also there are open meetings that you could go and say, hmm, what's this all about? And you can learn more. And of course, if there's a loved one in your life, who is suffering, you may wanna go and type in 12-step program and find out how you can help yourself and also maybe you can help that loved one. So a lot of great yeah. stuff coming out of it. My last question for you is what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So ever since the TED Talk in the book, I essentially teach people a modified version of the intersection of my experience with the 12 steps and my experience as a leader and all the stuff that I've done to develop teams and companies and that kind of stuff. And so I teach the mastery program that teaches people to be an authentic leader and they can reclaim 500 hours a year. And for me, it was purpose, not profit. But if I was to like take my mask off here, I'm using a lot of my retirement to fund the initiative. And so 2021 for us is about sustainability because we have enough people. We have like 800 users in our masteryprogram.com portal we've got like a hundred members that are in the coaching program and we're seeing it change lives. One 28 day action card at a time. We use these action cards to do this. Mm. And so now I'm like, wait a second, I have to make this sustainable because I got employees, I got expenses, I got all this other kind of stuff. And, and I don't want my children to be robbed of their future just because I was pursuing my passion. So I have to do really uncomfortable work and I have to actually sell. And I haven't been doing that. And because it feels weird to do that about something that's so personal and, and all that kind of stuff. So 2021, we have figured out what our product market fit is. We have rabid adopters. All we have to do is literally go out there and say, Hey, we think this will help you. And so like, we're going to companies and we do this thing. You would actually like this. So yeah. you, know, my, you know, my products are an intervention, a rehab sponsorship, and then a program. 
And so the, the intervention is a speaking engagement and mm -hmm. the rehab is this one day rehab where we help a company identify the business cost of inauthenticity in their company. And they walk out with an action plan and do it. And so I've got to go to my friends and other people I know and say, I think this thing truly will change your life because it changed mine. It will really mm -hmm. help you like it's helping the people in my program, but you'll have to pay us money to do it because we don't, you know, get all of our stuff for free. And that makes me feel like crap. <laughs> um, so that's my uncomfortable work and I have to go do it and I don't want to, but I'm going to, because I'm built to do uncomfortable work. Beautiful. And a great disclosure. I know it's the same thing. I feel the same way. And one thing I have come to realize is that money is a great motivator when you pay a serious amount of money for a product or service. If you ever think about it, for the listeners out there, if you bought a course that cost $10 and you bought a course that cost $1,000, which yep. one are you going to feel the least comfortable putting aside? That one that you spent $1,000 yep. on. So think of it as a measure of commitment. And so anyways, that's uh, I like am that. <laughs> amazing. I think you and I got some things to talk about. But for right now, I'm going to close this out by saying, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount on my how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market course. And as we conclude, Michael, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your oh, worst awesome. investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? No, but if you're affected by addiction or affected by hiding your weaknesses, go to michaelbrodyweight.com and send me a message. I, I look at all of them. So I would love to hear from you. Beautiful. And for the audience out there, I mentioned a few different ways that you could reach out. And I said, if you're not an addict or something like that, and you want to tap into this 12-step program, what better way than to go to Michael's website, which I'll also include in the show notes. So that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Undisputed Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.